0: What is that? That's the second time it's gone off. Never got home, they never got home, they never got home, those guys. New York, I love you, but you me
3: down. New York was his town, and it always would be. And... Lopez wants it away, and it's a
0: deep to left center. Andrew Jones on the run! This one has a chance! Cobra by Piazza! And
3: the next lead! Ahmad Ali in the red trunk, Joe Frazier in the green trunk, almost ready for the fight of the century. To read on the forecourt, right side from 20, jumps, gets yep. Willis has hit on his first two. Behind the
1: bag, it gets through Buckner, here comes Knight and the Mets win it. I know we're going to win, I have that attitude, I feel that way, and it's not overconfidence thing, it's football stands. And easy, onto it comes Houghton, and Houghton with the shots,
0: and it's there!
4: Sparkling opportunism for the old left peg this time. Remember Stuttgart 88. It's Ray Hunt once again. It's Italy nil.
0: It's Ireland 1. This is incredible.
3: A nice change of location for the fifth and final Irish Times Second Captains podcast of our week in New York. We've moved the studio uptown to our beautiful hotel, Fitzpatrick Grand Central, on East 44th Street opposite the Grand Central Terminal a few blocks from Times Square Hi Ken, I'm Irf. Hello there on there, there Kenny are We are outside again though, we insist now contractually to mm. always do shows outdoors after yeah. the success of the Brass Monkey Where are we now Kieran? Uh we We're in the Wheel Tapper Inn uh, on the beer in, in, it's basically the beer garden outside the pub attached to the uh, uh, Fitzpatrick Grand Central. We're so recording this at eleven in the morning, which is why it's worth stressing that there. Uh, there's nobody here. There's nobody here. Just there are yet. no
2: daytime drinkers here.
3: It's <laughs> all very calm and civilized out here as well. But there's plenty of commotion in the neighbourhood last night. Can big anti-Trump protest?
2: Oh yeah. Um, so there was some uh, event on at the uh, Grand Hyatt Hotel, which is like uh, kind of around the block from here. And uh, Trump was there. Cruz, uh, you know, various Republican. Um, Fat cats and
3: yeah, it's a big know. black tie fundraiser for the Republican Party, as opposed to for one particular, uh, for any of the particular candidates.
2: And uh, this attracted quite a lot of uh, <laughs> protesters uh, and a lot of police, and I mean nearly as many police as protesters. Actually, um, protesters all uh, having kind of a little carnival outside. Um, there, you know, there was drums and uh, chants, uh, lots and lots of signs. Uh, Mr. Pre- it was fun doing drugs in your casino, Mr. President. Is one that I remember.
1: Um. I saw I saw one guy holding uh, a turd. Oh, there were a lot of turds. Yeah. Of them, Tr- yeah, Trump has turd. Yeah, the only um, that was the only trouble that I saw. It, well, there was one guy who was holding one of those, and uh, I, I, I presume a supporter of uh, Donald Trump got we're up in his win face. So much. Yeah, that guy uh, got up in his face, got all up in uh, this guy's grill. Um, but uh, as you said, there were so many police officers around that there were at least four. There were at least four cops within three yards of this uh, this particular confrontation. So it ended pretty much as soon as it started. There were
3: hardly any Trump protesters around anyway. That was the slightly disappointing. It was a little well, bit there was
2: like no pro. You, know, you mean pro Trump? Trump. Sorry, pro yeah. Trump.
3: Yeah, yeah. Because at first I thought tr- Trump rally, but it wasn't actually a Trump rally at all. Mm. Uh, but it was a little bit like the international rules where. You're going along. You don't really want to see violence, but you, you, of course you want to see a little bit of violence.
1: Uh, disgusting. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, <laughs> imagine if you saw, you know, some violence erupting. A you know, guy's outside getting hauled this. out of there. Oh, I mean, oh, it, would, it would be horrific. It would leave a really,
3: really sour taste in the mouth, uh, Owen. A lot of uh, deport Trump signs as well. A lot of, I saw one guy who was dressed up, fully mocked up as Donald Trump. Uh, being as obnoxious as he could, giving everyone the finger and inviting people to beat him up. There was yeah. this, he was holding a sign, a, "A punch me in the head for three dollars, hit me with this club for a dollar." All this. It was
2: very weird, really weird. I think that is really weird, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was a bit freaked
3: out. And I think I was on TV. Uh, that could be some local station. Hopefully, I never mm. have to see myself. I'm kind of filming it from one side, and I noticed this TV camera is filming it from the opposite side. So I'm kind of standing yeah. in the middle of this.
2: There was weird- a lot of that, like there's loads of there. cameras. Got, you know, everyone like half two thirds of the people are filming. Yeah. The other third. yeah me, me and <laughs> me
3: and
1: Mark were actually walking away from uh, th- this event and uh, we as we were walking away we, we, we actually realized that we were taking part in a in a march. <laughs> so there was about 20 uh, 20 people marching singing and myself and Mark were like, why is this march moving so qu-? we literally can't outpace this march. Uh, so we were walking along with him for like five blocks uh, but we, uh, we, we managed to evade them in the
2: end I thought the, the guy sort of dressed up as Trump and inviting people to hate him was, was very strange because he's kind of like turning himself into a you know a, a hate object you know a vessel for your hatred it's like why does it always have to be about hatred why are we why are we singling Trump out anyway these guys are <clears throat> I mean Cruz is terrifying frankly he really creeps me out I don't know. I don't really understand what it is about Trump that attracts such, um, so, uh, you know, so much venom compared to Cruz, apart from the fact that Trump is just generally better at attracting attention than Cruz. Well, I didn't notice any Cruz. Oh, come on. There you, was one you, you, or you, two. you do
3: know why Trump is, is attracting hatred and attracting protests.
2: Yeah. But why more so than this other guy who, you know, everything that, <laughs> listen to Ted Cruz. Seriously, do what most people don't ever do and sit down and listen to Ted Cruz for like five minutes. And then you're kind of like, I don't know, this guy really actually means. I mean, I get the impression a lot of what Trump says. He says because he, he thinks, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll say that. I'll you know, get this room going. <laughs> we're going to win so much. You know, and but, you know, Cruz kind of really Cruz will actually implement the policies this. when he
3: goes in uh, as opposed to the, the wall. Like, I, I'm going to say right now, I don't think that wall is going to get built. No. I don't One think it will. I don't way think way
2: it way will. But, you know, equally, like the, the, the protesters outside we're, were protesting against not just Trump, uh, but racism, and capitalism. Um,
3: and cop brutality. There's a lot of anti-cop stuff.
2: Loads of loads of stuff uh, along those lines. But, you know, um, anti-capitalist uh, chants, uh, you know, chants for, for justice. I mean, I'm as favour of justice as the next man. But it was a strange uh, setting to hear all these anti-capitalist chants, you know, literally just underneath the Chrysler building, you know, this icon of American mm-hmm. capitalism uh, outside the Grand Hyde Hotel. And then every so often you'd see, uh, you know, a big uh, a big uh, fat man in a tuxedo trying to nervously <laughs> pick his way, <laughs> pick his way through all the, the protesters who were, loads of whom were actually wearing red armbands. You know, they had like red strips of cloth wound around their, their arm, you know, Spanish Civil War style, Che Guevara t-shirts, literally Che Guevara t-shirts. the forces of revolution and then the tuxedoed uh, fat cats Mm. of capitalism.
3: The Democratic candidates were also in town ahead of the New York primaries next Tuesday. The headlines in the papers, I've got them in front of me here this morning. It's all about them. It's all about the Democrats. Brooklyn brawlers, roars the front page of the New York Daily News. Hill and Bernie slug it out in raucous debate. Another one, Burn Belts Hill screams the New York Post. Dem rivals in Brooklyn brawl. They're very short in space at the front of the Mm. of the post, so they uh, shortened them Brooklyn. It's B apostrophe apostrophe K L Y N. What's the sub? I think it's a nice little sort of sub headline here. Uh, Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton went toe to toe and blow to blow in an old-fashioned Brooklyn Donnybrook last night, assailing each other on everything from guns and Wall Street money to Iraq and Israel. (laughs) Part of the, the more sober New York Times got. Democrats set a steely tone in New York. Sanders and Clinton in contentious debate. <laughs> That's the New York Times. Yeah. Oh dear.
2: Um I was talking to someone yesterday. He was saying he thought that the New York Times coverage was very um, pro Hillary. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, the reason being, uh, well, this is, this is what my this was my friend's analysis, was that uh, they rely so much now on the advertising, which mainly producers of luxury goods, that they're very kind of keen on. Anything which helps rich people not to get poor, <laughs> and uh, you know Hillary, like I mean, she was she was kind of laughing at Bernie Sanders, who had this crazy idea about like maybe the banks have too much power and money, <laughs> maybe maybe we ought to do something to, you know, break up some of those banks, and she was just like, how is that even possible? <laughs> uh, so I I don't know. Uh,
3: well, you'll be pleased to know, Ken, or maybe not, that the New York Post has endorsed Trump instead of. Instead of Ted Cruz, that's on the front of their paper also today. But we'll move on from the politics. We want to talk football. Do we want to hear John Aldridge's crazy, crazed, yeah, why not? Lunatic goal commentary for the winner against Dortmund
1: Got three players around him, though. Lovely ball. Here's
3: Milner in the box on the right. Great ball by Milner. Love room.
0: Yeah. Yeah! It's lost. Wow.
2: So it
3: wasn't so much crazed commentary as just crazed shouting. He, he does go on to actually say a few words, although, but that was mostly him in the background roaring his head
2: off. What could you say? It was just unbelievable. I mean, that's the word that they kept using. But that's, I mean, it's not, because you've seen it happen loads of times. It's totally something not, that can happen. Not One team Not scores all the last that minute often, goal. though. Um, yeah. Not quite as dramatically as that. But it was. Uh, it was amazing. The match was amazing. And it was, it was so similar to... I mean, there was, so, you know, Milner has been talking about it since St. Klopp was talking about Istanbul, saying, you know, this isn't going to be easy, but can be done. Um, and there was there was such parallels between the two games. I mean, first of all, the, the sort of the frightening superiority of Dortmund, which was so clear, you know, was, was similar to, to what Milan did to Liverpool in that first half, where it was so obvious. There's only one team, really. There's only one team on this field. And... Uh, you know, Dortmund scored after four minutes, after eight minutes. Both, um, both really good counter-attacking goals. Really precise, uh, fast. You know, lightning quick attacks, just slicing through Liverpool. Such that you know they were already being humiliated. You know, there was this huge uh, build-up to the game. There was this, um, uh, re- you know, endless like um, stuck on repeat. Uh, rendition of You'll Never Walk Alone from both sides, from both sets of fans. You know, it was this massive uh, atmosphere that had been generated, and within a couple of minutes, <coughs> excuse me, within a few minutes of the game actually starting, Liverpool were being annihilated. So the only thing about it was that maybe Dortmund had had done that too early in the game. There was still so long left in the game that Liverpool had time to play themselves into it, and it was kind of just a desperation, this kind of desperate energy of Oh my God, we're gonna, we're going to be humiliated here. This this team is is terrifyingly good. That and, and they started to kind of get into it. And, and you know, over the sort of after going 2 0 down, <laughs> they started to play quite well, but still couldn't score. You kind of thought, well, if they get a goal before half time, then you know, but they didn't. Uh, they did score just after half time, but then Dortmund scored the next goal in the game. So at that point, you're thinking, well, this, you know, this, there's, there's 27 minutes, I think, to score three goals, that's not going to happen. And and it did, you know, it was just.
3: Unbelievable. Unbelievable, unbelievable unbelievable night for Jurgen Klopp and that's a second is it about time for other English clubs to maybe follow Liverpool's lead clubs with a much less storied European history than Liverpool's go into this competition qualify for it and then treat it like a, a mo- actually, a major inconvenience. Something that just gets in the way of the rest of the season. Whereas Klopp's first season now has been defined by a couple of wins in the league, all right, against big teams, but largely knocking Manchester United out of the Europa League and now knocking Dortmund out in unbelievable circumstances. Yeah. Unbelievable.
2: Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <No>. Unbelievable again. <Ken. laughs> well, I, I think one thing about like, I, I don't know if too many, um, too many people at Liverpool were hugely excited about being in the Europa League, but then when it started throwing up games against Manchester United and Borussia Dortmund, uh, well, these are huge games. You know, you can't not be excited about playing teams like that. It doesn't almost matter. As long as it's in a competition, you know, um, you know that isn't sort of the international pre-season Champions Cup. Yeah. Um, those games are going are gonna to get everyone's attention. Um, you know, and, uh, and a lot of <laughs> maybe the Maybe the biggest games for them have already happened in the Europa League. the The teams that are remaining are Villarreal, Sevilla, and Shakhtar. Um, well, they've
3: been drawn against Villarreal, haven't they, in the last while? Yeah, they've
2: got. Yeah, so gotten drawn against Villarreal. You know, Villarreal are, are a strong team and a, and a dangerous opponent, but not as exciting, I, I think, for not as exciting from the point of view of spectator. But for Klopp, Klopp played a big part in that game. I mean, <laughs> one one feature of the sort of early part of the game was Thomas Tuchel, the the Dortmund, the guy who succeeded Klopp at Dortmund, really getting into it. You know, he—it was clear how much this meant to him to win this game. And when Dortmund scored the goals, you know, he didn't hold back with the <laughs> celebrations. <laughs> you know, it was very, very That's the Dortmund way again. It was very Klopp-like. You know, Klopp sort of and he lunges forward and does this fist pump. You know, but seeing this, seeing this happen on the touchline. Next him, well, Jurgen Klopp had to up the ante. You know, it wasn't as though he was going to allow this to to pass. You know, unchallenged. Uh, from this upstart Tuchel so his own posturing dramatically became more and more amplified as even the game by club happened. standards even by club standards until by the last 10 minutes he was a maniac he was absolutely like an absolute maniac and his you know he's clenching his his teeth you know his whole face is kind of s- s- screwed up in this snarl screaming at the players and it was you, you just kind of got a sense of <laughs> real determination not to come off that field having lost the game and you know, ultimately, that the team kind of showed that. I mean, it's a, you know, could be just a coincidence, but uh, I never saw them do that when Brendan Rodgers was the manager.
3: What a night we had at the Brass Monkey on Wednesday! Murph, one of the all-time unbelievable. I've going to stop yeah. saying that, One of the all-time great nights for us, I have to say. And it's available to the podcast now. It's two separate shows. You might have listened to them already. Yes, Des course. Bishop and Grant Wall on the football. Henry Shefflin, John Duddy, and Andy Lee on on their own podcast. Yeah, we're uh,
1: we're we're still. Uh Sort of uh, b- basking in the gl- in the reflected glory of it all, and it was brilliant. It was absolutely, um, it was just a savage night. Like uh, uh, to to be on a rooftop terrace <laughs> watching the sunset uh, over the Hudson. Uh, in the shadow of the Standard Hotel. I mean,
3: with the the setting amazing was, listeners as well. You know, people yeah, were really was, happy for us to be over. We were blown away by yeah, all
1: the support. Yeah, and the, the support of the people who who couldn't make it as well. All the requests for tickets that yeah, we couldn't yeah. actually uh, facilitate. We I will mean, come was, back. We will come back. Yeah, for that's really, for I sure. I mean, it was absolutely just brilliant. I'm, I mentioned the Standard there, and we were talking about Michael Fassbender uh, in Shame, and uh, you know, there's a certain level I think of. Um, what's the word i'm looking for here when uh, among the the guests at the standard there exhibitionism exhibitionism <laughs> yes ken is the word and uh, there is a certain level of that and uh, there was a lady uh standing completely naked uh, in full view of ourselves and our audience taking photographs of us Podcasting this very show, so I'm pretty sure that's never happened before. On actually, I'm going to put my neck on the line and say that that's definitely yeah. never happened in our broadcasting career up to now. So that's just one in a series of uh, of firsts uh, uh, in this weekend, yeah. York. Yeah, that was
3: uh, just uh, th- towards the end of our chat with John Duddy and Andy Lee. If you were listening to it, we talked about Patrick Highland who's fighting for a world title on uh, Saturday night. Sorry, I'm just getting the details up here. Yeah, it's Gary Russell Jr. for the WBC Featherweight Belt. Uh, it's taking place at the Foxwoods Resort in Connecticut on Saturday night. That's where you might remember Andy Lee's fight against Craig McEwen. Two guys were unbeaten at the time, and Andy dug out a win in that one, just about knocked McEwen out, if I remember correctly. In the last round. McEwen's career has gone nowhere. Andy's went, Andy went on to be world champion. Anyway, uh, this is uh, going to be on Showtime TV in the US, this fight for Patrick Highland. Sky Sports won at home in the early as a Sunday morning. Now he's from a big boxing family. His dad was a huge presence in his career, trained him the whole way up. The two were inseparable, according to Andy. And Dan. unfortunately, Patrick Hyland Sr. died last year. I mentioned that because you'll hear Patrick talk a little bit about what it's going to be like fighting without his dad in his corner on such a big night. Now, when you're trying to get into the mindset of an Irish fighter going to the ring to try and become world champ, it's probably not a bad idea to send our own world champ The man Mm -hmm. is part of our team Now Andy Lee Headed off to the Mendez gym A few blocks from Madison Square Garden Earlier in the week To watch Highland Put through his paces By Pascal Collins His trainer And the boys went off And found a quiet spot To have a chat About the fight
0: How are you? I'm here with Patrick Highland sitting in this lovely park in New York beautiful better anyways <laughs> and you're a few days away from challenging for the WBC title how are you doing?
4: I'm doing good uh, Trying really hard feeling sharp, feeling strong and yeah, you're looking ready, ready for the
0: challenge ahead yeah. yeah. watching the gym there it seems like you're working on staying on the outside of Gary Russell moving but also like landing your own punches yep. not just worrying about what, what he's doing
4: no exactly yeah. Yeah. i gotta I got to do my own game plan and you know you know me years and I, I love to fight I love to get in and, and, and mix it up but staying on the left of course he's a great right hook you know staying outside of that and you know walking at blocking and trot- landing my shots at the same time when you watch him
0: fight Guy, what's your assessment of him? what do you think there?
4: Uh, I think he's a great fighter a great southpaw like yourself you know but he's more in the pocket he's more fat lo- loves to throw the fast shots fast hands and it, but you know I, I kind of feel you know when the going gets tough, I don't know how, how he reacts to because he only did really, really fight a top guy, yeah. which is Lomachenko. And, you yeah, know he's slightly
0: untested, isn't he? Yeah, you know, Danny sli- Gonzalez was. was it, yeah, I thought he was finished. I
4: thought he was finished, yeah. Um, but, you know, we'll see Saturday night now. He, yeah. I've been reading it, things. He said He's I'm not that big of a puncher that he's going to come and bring it to me.
0: and I, I welcome
4: that as well because I'm ready for a 12
0: round war. You think he's underestimating
4: yeah? now? I think he is, you know, I think it's... Science, he missed yeah, the way, didn't he? He missed the I think he's on the resume. I yeah. think he is, and, I, you know, it doesn't bother me. Yeah. You know, I've just been doing my thing, and got to get my job done at, at the end of the day and get that W, get that yeah. hand raised and be the second Irish man to win the WBC belt. Is there
0: anything
4: specific that you see you can
0: do to, to beat him? Ruff him up, yeah. get him
4: out of his skiing plan, uh, not letting him do that nice boxing yeah. that he loves to do, and, you know, just... As I say yeah. just rough, rough him up and make, make him realise yeah, that he's in a
0: fight that this is not it yeah I think, end, I think yeah. he's
4: going to realise that when when he throws his first few punches and I take them and I, and I look at him dead in the eye and I'm landing back and he's going to go you know what I should have prepared better for this
0: in terms of your own preparation um, it's been was been put back it was supposed to be originally was it March 12th March 12th yeah so uh, you've been training a while for it
4: I've been training since before Christmas because I was meant to avoid uh, doing 8 or a 10 round on that February 6th card but I got the call for March 12th the week beforehand so I pulled off that uh, pulled back a bit you know easy as you, you know when you yeah. get this stuff happens in Boston. yeah so I pulled back actually then when the 12th of March show got uh, called off or it was told, it was still going ahead it was main event and that was in the morning went to the gym came home and was told you know the whole show was being cancelled it was going to be postponed so I went there I picked up my son and I was kind of devastated a little bit and I asked the wife to order me a kebab <laughs> but I couldn't finish it so uh, and then I just eased off for a bit and Patty told me you know we could back on fire a, for a day or two or, and I just went straight back at it yeah. when, when we got confirmed, it was 8, April 16th. We went straight yeah. back into it.
0: You're looking extremely sharp, anyway, from what mm-hmm. I've seen, and just uh, looking at the photos you on Twitter, and that you're looking
4: great shape. Yeah, I think uh, I think it'll be the best shape of me. Like you know, getting old now, 32 what 30, would say? us old boys. Yeah, you can't hang it. Well, I you feel get like wiser I'm, with it. Don't yeah, you you, no? do, you get wiser. I've got 12 years of experience. Hopefully, we'll all come into yeah. into play. But yeah, I'm feeling I feel powerful, and that's that's the main thing.
0: Before for World well, Title before 2012. Javier Fortuna what do you feel is different about you this time around
4: uh, this time around it's um, you know it's not the big you know it's not my fourth time on the big stage it was a massive uh, massive card for me you know like I've had uh, th- three dreams when I thought professional was like to become a world champion of course Then second was to fight in Madison Square Gardens and uh, fight on the big show in Las Vegas you know and that that was there, you know I kind of was relaxed from the way in, when Mike Tyson was standing beside me. And, you know, down to do a bit of point, yeah. Mike Tyson gives me a little smack in the back of the yeah. head, and I'm like having a laugh with him because he was good friends with Tracy. Um, and then just going in into the arena, it was just, I felt, I didn't feel pressured, I didn't feel analyzed. I just, I felt after the fight I should have done a lot more, you know, I just, I kind of didn't want to get embarrassed because he was a big puncher and I didn't want to get, didn't, didn't want to get shot. You know what I mean. fight, yeah. yeah. And it, it goes to show because he went up a weight and won the trial that way as well. So
0: when I fought for the title for the second time uh, I knew that was this was probably my last chance mm-hmm. similar age to, to yourself yep. and like a similar career to yourself First yep. long, long career missed out the first time didn't yep. feel I did myself justice I knew that this was my last chance and when, like, when you got nothing you got nothing to lose you know what exactly, I mean in a way exactly, and that's how
4: I'm feeling I'm exactly yeah. the same like, I don't know when I'm going to get the shot again yeah. you know so as I say, I'm, you know, I'm a dangerous man. So I'm going in there with nothing to lose and everything to gain. And you know, I don't, I don't fear, like, the fight. I don't fear Gary Russell. As, as, a, as a, he's just another man across yeah. the ring to me. And you know what I mean? Like, I just gotta do my job. And this could be my last shot at a title. You know, like that. So I'm gonna grab him with both hands.
0: Like you said earlier, you've been pro, pro now since 2004. You've, yeah you've had a lot like I said ups and downs, Up and downs whatever yeah. that's, that's, yeah, awesome. that's 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 awesome, that's that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. what has kept you what do you feel what you've, what's kept you going like I know like there's probably been a million times where you kind of just oh, threw it in I yeah, know yeah. I, from my own experience you know so
4: there's been a few times yeah, yeah. Uh, like there's a few times when I came back from England that time I was only over there for two years and I was like you know I, you know, because I have a, a good job at home I work good for a mobile plant class I've been working with them since I was uh, 17 18 like first ever employee and every time I come home or anything you know there's always work there for me so I'm, so I'm working full-time as well so I'll class myself as a semi-pro now you know get, you got to put the, the food on the table for the for the family but you know I'm working hard and training hard and I think it's just the love of the game and the love of you know staying fit and strong and get, and getting in and mixing it up like you know, sparring and everything about it
0: I, I love like but I just say but well, like you're you mandatory your challenger for the two yeah, titles so you're yeah. doing something right. I'm doing you know something what I mean? Right, you're here, yeah, I'm doing and you're something. here, you know, you're here by by merit. You know what
4: I mean? Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm here by merit, and you know, I also have a, good, a great, great management team behind me yeah. and promoter, so they got um, give me the opportunities, and I've always done everything they asked me to do. Like I've never been one to call out people or jump the gun or
0: mm-hmm. you
4: know do like that. I'll just say, I oh, you know this team is going to get me a shot, and they did, and, and now I'm fighting for the wbc title on saturday night
0: you're saying your wife and son are coming over yeah they're coming over. Yeah. Forward to that,
4: yeah? Oh, i can't wait to see them you know like yeah, uh, yeah. I, I said to her like i'd love to win the belt to bring him into the ring but you know it's going on late at night and you know i'll probably run up and mic him up anyway yeah, you, know, you wouldn't know what's yeah, going on yeah. anyways but still I was like, look at that he got to call is it? how old, yeah, how old is he now Callum is 10 months now yeah so uh he's up raw, crawling Doing everything, he's ready to go. Does that motivate you like? Yeah, oh definitely. Hundred percent. Hundred percent now. Yeah. Like, you know, it was it was hard when uh, my father passed and then this this beautiful joy was brought into the world with me, you know, a week later and I was just like, you know what, this is I need yeah. I need to do everything for him, like it's all about you know. him, it's, it's it's not about you know, like my compliments and compliments and, and stuff like that, yeah, I, I want it for myself, but I also want the better for him, better life for him, you know.
0: I know it's. You don't have to speak about it. Your dad is such a big uh, figure in your career, like in your whole life, obviously, um, but in your boxing as well. He was so involved, was in such. You know, he's identified. You guys were together all the yeah. time. The last time I saw you fight, he was in your corner. It'll be nice. It'll be emotional, won't it? Yeah, it'll, this be, belt, like, it'll be nice. Forever. It'll be emotional.
4: Yeah. You know, like um, for the whole family, for the Hoyland name as well. Like yeah. all the years, like you know, you've worked, yeah. you've been away with him an amateur and stuff like that. He, the man, loved boxing. He lived the lived the dream and. For, for me to, to become a WBC champion yeah. and just you know look up to the heavens and say yeah. that it, it, it yeah, yeah. will be emotional but you know I, I know he's there he's in, yeah. in the year in the corner shouting yeah. at me get your bleeding hand up get this yeah. do this you know what I mean I still it's all drilled into me since I'm a kid so yeah. to win the belt and for the Hoyland name alone yeah. as well it, for me two brothers as yeah. well yeah. you know Pauly you know should have stayed that a bit more you know he had yeah. great talent and Eddie gave all but you know i think i was the only one that you know really really loved it to you know to be still at it you yeah. know so just for the whole name and for the, for the brothers and my dad it would be amazing to be come home with the, with the belt
0: yeah so when you win this title on Saturday you're going to be the first Irishman since Wayne McCullough yeah. to be the WBC champion
4: so, uh, it's a nice, it's a nice title yeah. to have, you know. It's generally so regarded the best title. It, it yeah, I love it. Yeah. You know, everyone does. You know, the you Green see, Belt, yeah,
0: Muhammad Ali everybody. Yeah.
4: You know, that's the that's the most you know prestige belt out there. So, Jesus, yeah. T- come to think about it, yeah, to be the second Irish man to win it. A uh, little lad from Jobstown,
0: huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, listen. You know, we're all behind you. The whole country's yeah. behind you, and I'm glad. Uh, we'll be watching and cheering for you and hoping you. So, Patrick, the Punisher Highland. Get the belt, man. Andy,
3: man, manly. <laughs> Thank you. Andy Lee, there having a really nice chat with Patrick Highland in Madison Square Park, just uh, down by the gym, the Mendez gym, there, where he's training for this big fight. What a lovely, upbeat guy Highland is! Makes you immediately want yeah. to root for him. Uh, really, really sounds, sounds we're,
1: great. Yeah, we're t- and we're saying again that it is on uh, Sky Sports at 3 a.m. Yeah. on Saturday night, Sunday morning. So if you can, uh, if you can't, st- and of course, you should stay up. I mean, oh, the, it's yeah. one
3: of the great joys in life of saying a late to watch a boxing fight the motivation that he has that he talked about around his dad and his family doing it for his brothers and all that's it's uh, uh, heartbreaking in its way and really powerful i mean hopefully he can harness that in, in the correct way but i suppose he's not going to know himself how he will feel in there uh, until he actually gets yeah, involved
1: yeah yeah and uh, you know the, the that, that's the key really isn't it to try and turn it into something that uh, that can help you in a, in a situation like this when he is a, when he is a big underdog uh, there's you know there's no, there's uh, there's no he, point. He's a it. massive
3: underdog, yeah. But I, th- I do think Russell Jr. From what I've been reading, is underestimating this guy. And the lads touched on in the interview. Yeah, he he actually referred to him as this guy in one of the interviews I saw. I'll, I'll beat this guy, and then you know it just seemed a bit like well, at least give him his name, man. Yeah. You know, uh, Ken the Punisher. Speaking of names, are you happy with that nickname, Patrick the Punisher, Highland? If he becomes world champ, would you stick with that or change it up?
2: Um, I I don't know about the the Punisher. I think I just think it sounds too kind of. Jason Statham, Me.
1: didn't you probably had a movie? (laughs) I think he actually may have had a movie called The Punisher. I don't (laughs) know now. Almost certainly.
3: Yeah. Or did Vin Diesel? One of those two had a. I'm sure had a movie called The Punisher. I
2: I just like the more kind of positive nicknames, such as the Italian Stalin, or. All right. Okay. You know. Yeah. There's no need to. There's no need to be the Punisher. You know who wants to? The greatest, like Muhammad Ali. Yeah. You know who, who necessarily would would want to spend any time with the Punisher, you know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, but but you know I don't think it's the most important thing either about his. It
3: probably isn't. Hard. No, I don't know why I brought it up. I'm <laughs> getting hyper towards the end of our stay here in New York. Andy got his work done. Uh, that day, then went off to the theater last night. Simon here tagged along and went to yep. see Blackbird, it was called Simon. Yeah, yep. a, a harrowing play at Belasco Theater, starring Michelle Williams from Dawson's Creek yes. and Jeff Daniels from Dumb and Dumber and Dumb and <laughs> Dumber Two. <laughs> it's an inspired bit of casting, if you ask me. Owen. so uh, Simon finally stopped bugging Andy and uh, yeah, and I, Andy I Lee's headed off to meet his, a- his actual friends this morning as opposed to Simon.
1: Me yeah. and uh, me and Mark went to see uh, the Crucible oh, yeah. on Tuesday night, and we found out on that. Uh, you and darling of the nation, Sir Sharon, share a birthday. Oh, really? Yeah, Tuesday. So, a uh, 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 belated happy birthday to you. Did she
3: get a happy birthday on air on, on her big day? Sure don't,
1: she sure Un- did, on Un-
3: she sure did. Unlike me. Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, how do you mean they said happy birthday to Sir Sharon in the middle of the play? Uh,
1: no, they waited till the end. It, should, it shouldn't It should surprise you that they waited till the end. <laughs> sorry,
3: yeah, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> I, am. I am losing so like, my, my marbles here. No, it's all right, it's okay. Oh, there. What was the last we saw, Henry Shefflin? Oh, he was, he was heading off for a run, wasn't he? Yes.
1: He was wearing a Dublin jersey, number six, Oof. and was running down like that Park Avenue Kilkenny. towards Central Park yeah. for, for a run. Uh, no, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, he he won it on the spoils of battle. I, I had, mean, I'd, <laughs> if if I had a number 11 uh, Kilkenny jersey, I'd be wearing that. I mean, the the, ma- the man whose jersey that is is pretty happy with the jersey he got in return. Let's yes. just say that.
3: I had a bit of an embarrassing moment, actually, with Henry Sheffield. Go on. It's running related. I was boasting to Henry on the taxi from the airport on the way and said, so, what a beautiful city. You know I ran the marathon around here once, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh, you you won, no, you really? won the marathon? Like, a <laughs> good story. <laughs> <laughs> Please go on. Yeah, Henry's eyes glazing over. Are you jet-lagged or something? No. He, not, uh, he uh, put
1: yes, on his silver so, Simpson jury duty glasses.
3: Please go on. Uh, so, uh, well no, his brother actually is a big <laughs> marathon runner, so we had a bit of a chat about that. Henry himself said that the, the knees probably wouldn't hold up to marathon mm-hmm. running, so have one over on the great god, man
1: I'm, god I'm sorry I missed this Now uh,
3: the, on the last morning the last morning that Henry was here yesterday I bumped into him in the lobby and he's oh what's your plan for the day? and I was like oh I don't know I'm not you know it was a bit of a bit of a late night after the brass monkey. I thought, I better go and run it off, you know? Mm. I, th- I, th- I decided I had to talk like an elite athlete. like, yeah, a, yeah, Like, yeah. oh, I, a rare last happy, night. You know, I'm only happy once I've, yeah, you so know, gonna, uh,
1: expelled all of the nastiness from last night.
3: So I realized then that I had talked myself into going for a run that I really didn't want to go on. But I thought, listen, I'm not far from Central Park. I'll run up the 15 blocks there, have a run around, run back down. I did parts of that successfully. I ran up to Central Park. But, you know, it's very stop-start. You're not getting any flow along the streets got into the park itself and was so tired I just sat down I just sat down walked around a bit sat down some more took a few selfies in Central Park (laughs) then ran back really slowly and who did I bump into outside the house I'm ready to go for his run yeah Henry Shefton presumably noticing that I didn't have a bead of sweat on me I had all my running gear I actually had my New York Marathon uh, finisher's t-shirt on yeah and not a bead of sweat. And I'm a man who works up a sweat usually the, the first mile of a
2: half <laughs> Looks weeks. like you really gave it everything out there, Rowan.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you, you really left nothing out there, on Fair play.
3: Uh, Ken, you haven't talked to you about New York City FC properly, have we? You went out to see yeah. Lampard and Pirlo and David Villa and the boys?
2: Lampard wasn't there, Rowan, because he's got a persistent calf problem. Uh, so he isn't. It uh, wasn't training uh, when I was there on Wednesday. Um... Yeah, I, I mean, I was amazed, actually, to find the New York City FC, which is, you know, Manchester City, mm-hmm. Manchester City's little brother club h- here in America, um, and, you know, funded by Emirati Oil Money, um, are basically uh, training at this, like, you know, similar to Ireland's training setup that they used to have in Malahide, if you took away the clubhouse and most of the facilities. Um so it's just a field, you know, with a fence around it. There's nothing there. It's 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 at the State University of New York Purchase College. But, you know, there's nothing. There's, there's no, like, I mean, they have to drive somewhere to have a shower after training kind of thing. Really? Yeah.
3: So No, no, no on-site. It's
2: literally just a, just a field. <laughs> just a field with a fence and a couple of goals and stuff. Um, so, yeah, but they, they let you watch the training. Patrick Vieira, the coach, uh, you know, some big players there. I mean, Vieira's won the World Cup. Pirlo's won the World Cup. Vieira, obviously, uh, himself. Um, and you get to watch them go through this whole session. Uh, I was actually there helping to speak to Tommy McNamara. In fact, I did speak to Tommy McNamara.
3: He's an Irish-American player, midfielder.
2: Yeah, he's a he's a midfielder. He kind of gets in. He par- sometimes partners Pirlo. Sometimes, sometimes Pirlo doesn't play. Sometimes Tommy doesn't play. Um, he scores quite a few goals, actually, for a midfielder. I um, thought he might be interesting to talk to just to get a sense of, you know, what this team... You know, he, he's... He, He's competing with like Lampard and Pirlo.
3: Great, Simon, hit the interview. Hit the play button. Where's yeah, this well, interview with Tommy McNamara? You said he spoke to I'm
2: him. I'm not going to play the interview. It's too boring to play, unfortunately. <laughs> really? It's just, you know, it just really boring. Uh, just, just circumstances conspired to make it not very good. For instance, um, I mean, we were watching the training, and the last thing they did in the, in the training was work on some set pieces, um, as de- defensive set pieces. They've been letting in quite a few goals from this recently. So Vera's there. Vieira was doing the whole session, you know, like he's he's the coach, a proper coach. Like um, it wasn't as though he was just standing watching. He he's kind of in control of the whole thing. But uh, so he has some kind of delivering free kicks from sort of wide areas and then watching what happens on the on the defense. So the whole squad is kind of involved in this, and they they do a couple. Then Viera, then um, one of the balls goes in. Whatever whatever happens, I can't remember what happened, whether they scored or not. But then Vieira goes. Hey Tommy, Tommy and you can hear him, you know, um, pretty clearly. He's picking out Tommy McNamara from all of the players and uh, and he's saying, You're jumping by yourself. You know, what are you doing? You're jumping by yourself And Tommy's kinda like, Oh boss, you know what? I couldn't hear what he was saying. He was speaking in a lower voice. Vieira's got this big booming voice and then Vieira kinda ticked him off. He's like, No, no, that's not what you do, you know, you gotta you gotta go back here, you gotta you know, you gotta take a step here, he'll move <laughs> back and you move up and he's gonna be offside. You know, but it, it was kind of a, a ticking off in front of the whole oh, squad oh no, you're
3: ready you're getting ready to interview this chap.
2: it wasn't as though Vier was you know abusing him or, or like throttled him or was or was saying but you know it was still it
3: wasn't, still, a, it wasn't graham soon as dwight york sort of
2: direction. Yeah. yeah well ima- imagine when there's 25 guys and you're the one that gets picked out <laughs> and and corrected in, you know in front of everybody um anyway immediately after that was well, when <laughs> i was speaking to him <laughs> he, he more or less walked over uh to be kind of you know and then uh it, w- it was like a pitch side thing you know he's still kind of sweating from the training session it wasn't like a, oh, i thought we, we might actually get to sit down in the in the sort of um, you the know non-existent building canteen exactly yeah <laughs> which turned out not to exist uh, and he just it, it was just a really it was like a player coming off the field after having lost the match and giving five or six word answers
1: and instead of you asking about the game that didn't happen you were asking him about his life and football yeah, career I, I was ho- I then. was hoping
2: to have a bit of a chat with him, you know, about like uh, what well, it's you know how he got to this stage, what, you know, what it's like to be Tommy McNamara. What it's like to be Tommy McNamara. But instead, it was just like you know, so uh, yeah. Anyway, the last Tommy McNamara fun. interview.
3: Murph, I, to be honest, I've been patiently listening to Ken and enjoying Ken's contributions to this podcast. Mm-hmm. But all I'm seeing, all I'm seeing when I look again right now, is something that Des Bishop brought up the other night, and I hadn't noticed before then. Oh uh, yeah, it's the sunburn that Ken got on The way out to the, the whole New
1: York City event, the, the, that, that whole uh, scene there for Ken was not very productive. Oof. Two hours watching a not very interesting training session, an interview that didn't work out, and a bad case of sunburn.
2: Really bad sunburn, unbelievable. My, it's, my nose has been leaking this straw colored fluid. Oh, God. It's awful. I mean, from the outside, you know, from the front of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, it was, I mean, I, I, I was out and about a little bit on that day as well. I mean, it was like. Seventeen, perhaps even eighteen degrees. It wasn't.
2: It wasn't hot, but it was. There, there were no clouds. It was just a you know brilliant sun blazing out of the sky, which I didn't think was doing me any damage. So I've been putting on this aloe vera gel. You know, I've been putting it on like four or five times a day. It's
1: your alabaster Irish skin. Well, again. if
2: you see me, my skin is kind of it's very is a very hot pink at the moment, but it's it's also covered in what looks like a layer of slime. But that's just. God like a glistening layer of slime but that's just aloe vera that's soothing that's good, and yeah. moisturizing
3: okay, I put a good. tweet out of a photo of us out here in this studio and uh, a lot of concern for your sunburn Ken uh, oh, yeah, a, lot yeah, a lot of concern a lot right, of people yeah, made the point I know what, ah, I'm getting too detailed now but there was something about how the come on
1: no 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 no, save no. this no we can't well, be having this well, now well, no, no, just what's
3: the, going on here somebody pointed out that when there was they they took a close-up of the photograph so i just put a photo of the three of us but then yeah. somebody zoomed in on your face and put it right up there so yeah. don't blame me for that okay and a couple of people mentioned how pink your face looked in and around the eyebrows like the eyebrows look kind of strange well
2: yeah. the eyebrows look strange no
3: no no it's a sunburn that looks straight i tried to stop him like no. i
1: actually i i cut across him. i said Un don't be so harsh but on d- ken did i say
3: this or am i
2: the eyebrows don't look straight twitter there, there is a, a bit of a, a bit of the kind of Boris Johnson uh, <laughs> but what happens is yeah. if it's a very sunny day um, the the hair quickly begins to take the sun, you know, to get to to become bleached. You know, you you've seen Point Break, you've seen yeah, Patrick yeah. Swayze <laughs> yeah, in that movie. Yeah, yeah. You know the way he had the those original Point Break, the yeah, of course, highlights, yeah, yeah. not the one that made Chapman.
1: We, watched, we don't right. talk half enough about Point Break on this, uh, that, on this
2: show. That's what I'm. So so the hair starts to get bleached, particularly the eyebrows. They kind of go white, and then you've got this layer of sort of down above the eyebrows, which you usually can't see. But actually, when that's bleached, it makes the eyebrows look enormous, and they're they're white, mm. and that's why this this person <laughs> this person is saying they look strange they don't look strange that's the way they're supposed to look and they look fine
3: it was mostly concern expressed you via. saw rather, your Mister. So. <laughs> p- yeah I picked out the wrong tweet there Ken. But anyway, that's it from the beer garden in the Wheel Tapper pub downstairs in Fitzpatrick Grand Central Hotel mega thanks to all the great people here at the ho- hotel and our are been brilliant. friends at brilliant our are so we friends now
1: oh, of course we're friends we're forever friends BFF our
3: live show is available as two podcasts after that I think um, anyone want to go and take a horse and carriage ride around Central Park huh
1: oh no it's, uh, no, it's, so it's so just so me so and Ken so we'd so actually so made so that so we have so the right. thing it just yeah
3: thanks Murph thanks On. thanks Kenny thanks, um, thanks, um, thanks, oh, Thank thanks Mark, Mark. Mark. What are you, thanks On. thanks Mark thanks Simon what are you drinking there Mark
2: coffee, yeah he, cappuccino. he got oh, sorry, there, coffee. Cappuccino. yeah he came in yeah, yeah, he got coffee for himself and yeah
1: thanks for my coffee Mark
3: thanks to New York for having us I think we'll have to do it again don't you Oh, we'll do it again honestly
1: honestly next week would be fine with me it's been brilliant chat
3: to you Monday take care
0: It's the second time it's gone off. They
2: never go home. They never go home. They never go home. Those, those, those guys. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter.